This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate through EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics, such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this episode, we speak to Sofia Kolaris Alves, who is now finishing her five-year mandate as head of the European Commission's representation in Portugal. We talk about the challenges and outcomes of Sofia's important position in the liaison between the European Commission and Portuguese citizens, as well as the main takeaways from the Portuguese presidency of the European Council, which ended this June. Hello, good morning, Sofia Kolaris Alves, and thank you for joining us in this podcast. Could you, to begin with, briefly present yourself and your role within the European Commission's representation in Portugal? Good morning and thank you. It's a pleasure to have this opportunity. Yes, I, I am the, the, the head of the representation uh, of the European Commission's office in, in Lisbon, in Portugal. And I've been doing this for about five years. I'm actually ending my mandate pretty soon, end of August. And, uh, and the Commission representation is pretty similar to an embassy. So we do political representation, institutional representation in the country towards the government, the parliament and and other stakeholders, but also we engage in communication with citizens and and the press to to inform about the commission initiatives. And uh, since we are in a member state and there is no embassy of the European Union, well, the commission actually becomes a very pretty much the embassy of the European Union in, in the member states. So that's how many stakeholders see us. And yes, and this is pretty much the work that we have been doing. It's to build bridges, to make Europe closer to citizens and to the Portuguese, to, to highlight initiatives that are more relevant for Portugal, and, and at the same time explain, explain and explain, and also to, to communicate via the press, to animate a lot of press events and and other events that bring Europe closer to the Portuguese. But we also inform, we write and draft a lot of reports to to Brussels. Actually, we we are under the helm of of the president, of the cabinet of the president. So we are a presidential service and we report to the president and also to the other commissions of what's going on in Portugal. How do Portuguese react to some of the initiatives? And this is pretty much what we do. Mm -hmm. And of course, here at Magellan, we are well acquainted with the work of the European Commission's representation. But would you like to highlight any particular action or task that have resonated with you in the last five years? Well, they have been very, very different and challenging five years. I would say that my main mission when I arrived was to get out of the of the Brussels bubble, but also of the Lisbon bubble, of the institutional bubble. It's very easy to speak to the, the usual, to those who already are very well informed about European affairs and who are interested in the European affairs. The challenge was to live, to go around in the country, including the islands of Madeira and the Zorish, and to promote a number of initiatives there, a number of debates. We've done a lot of uh, citizens' dialogues. We've also promoted a lot the, um, the, the white paper on the future of Europe. And we, we engaged with a number of universities, but also students and youth uh, innovation and, and youth initiatives. And, and we, I, I went through, I'm very proud that I really managed to go around the country to talk about European Union. And we did that with the support of our Europe Direct Centers. We have 15 in Portugal. They are our local antennas. And, and they actually, they are, they, 
they represent, if you want, our initiatives in, in, the, in the different regions. And so they have been extremely helpful to allow us to reach publics that are not the usual suspects here around Lisbon or the universities of Porto. So going to the ground and, and being closer to people, that was my main objective and, and mission when I arrived. And we have also organized a, a number of events that were, we had to be creative, right? Especially not only because of the pandemic in this last one and a half years that everything went online, but even before that, it was extremely difficult to engage the young people in, in the European affairs in getting interested. Uh, generally, young people or these young generations are not so um, familiar with politics and, and what's going on in the European Union. And everything is extremely complex. And so to engage them was vital. And we organized, we started organizing a summer, a summer school that we organize every summer for university students in Portugal to debate the European issues, but in a very informal way and in a very atypical. So our summer camp is now a, a brand of the commission representation in Portugal. But for example, last year, we also had the challenge that we wanted to promote the State of the Union speech, that it's a well-known speech in the Brussels bubble, but not so much in the member mm -hmm. states. And we have been promoting it every year. Uh, and last year, because we had to go virtual and we couldn't do anything uh, in a physical event, what we did is we organized a, a hackathon. So we promoted a competition for people to draft speeches. If you were the president of the European Commission, what were the messages that you would deliver in your speech? And, and I thought, you know, when my team came up with this idea, I thought, I mean, nobody, nobody's going to, oh, very little people, only the European gigs were going to pick up on the idea. And, and we did it. It was during the summer. It was August, which is by nature the, the month where Portuguese take holidays. And actually, we were surprised with a pickup. We had more than uh, about 100 you know, participations, mm -hmm. teams, and proposals of speeches. And we did our hackathon. And actually, when the State of the Union speech was delivered in September by the president in the parliament, we had a lot of engagement from the not, not only the young people had participated in the hackathon, but we had people from all ages, which shows that there's a keen interest on, on what's happen, happening in the European Union. And I definitely think that the pandemia and, and all the measures that we have taken to fight this crisis have been well received by the Portuguese and, and they continue to be very engaged. Mm -hmm. And so really, like you said, one of the greatest challenges presented to the EU is its relationship with its citizens and how to communicate its role adequately. You mentioned the white paper on the future of Europe. The Conference on the Future of Europe aims to be a powerful tool for a pan-European and citizen-led debate. What are your expectations on these initiatives' results? Well, the expectation is that we really, that, that we debate the, the future of the European Union and what the European Union we want for the future throughout Europe, that we continue having this debate. This will just, this will, I mean, we create it through the conference, not only in inter-institutional engagement in the sense that the council, the parliament and many other institutions around Europe are also involved, but we also created a platform to make it easy for people to, cre to create their own events, to organize their own discussions and to report their ideas in the platform. You know, and I invite everyone to, to, to go and, and see the platform conference on the future of Europe. It's very easy to find. And, and my expectations are really to, to continue having this debate and to have people all citizens in Europe more engaged in the construction of, of the European future. This is a, a multi-layer construction. It's not only 
it's only not only dependent on the, on the European institutions in Brussels, although they have a key role, but we have to remember that member states, local and regional authorities have also a very important role to play in the construction of our future. And that citizens by participating by their own initiatives, with their own ideas, with their own petitions, uh, they, they should also participate because the European Union is everywhere. Everything we do from the moment we wake up and normally with our phone ringing or we go mm -hmm. to the fridge to, to, you know, to have a glass of milk or, or anything else we might have for breakfast, everything is full and we cross the street. We're surrounded by the European Union. It's part of our lives. So we should also be part of it. And this is what I would expect from the conference is more engagement from citizens in the construction of our future. Well, let's hope it really happens. Also, the European Commission representation played a significant role also supporting Portugal's presidency of the Council, which has finished now at the end of June. In your view, what were the most significant highlights and outcomes achieved? Well, I, I think there was very, very fruitful six months. I mean, Europe was in motion. There were a lot of initiatives in the Council and, uh, and Portugal did a very good job in unblocking a number of files and promoting others. I mean, it's highlights. I could, for example, unblock files that were that were blocked in the council for a while was the blue card. So, you know, a path to have legal migration in, in, in Europe for qualified workers, but also the fiscal transparency directive, which was blocked uh, and which basically will engage all multinationals, all companies that have an activity in the European Union to be transparent on where the turnover is generated. This is the Fiscal Transparency Directive and it had been, you know, it was blocked also in the Council for a long time. It was unblocked mm -hmm. with, with, with the effort by, made by the Portuguese and the other member states. But also very recently the, on the migration file that we know is such a difficult file for the Europeans to agree on. At least they've agreed on the creation of the new asylum agency. And even the cap reform that was also stalled for a while, uh, there was a last minute uh, political agreement in council. But definitely I think the highlight was that the effort that Portugal, under the Portuguese tier, all the member states did to ratify the own decisions, the own, deci own resources decision in the national parliaments to allow the commission to borrow the money in the markets and to make it available through the Recover and Resilience Fund to all member states. Mm -hmm. We know that the first batch of uh, the first batches of, of plans have already been submitted to the Commission. The Commission has already endorsed a number of them, and actually today the Council should approve the first batch. So this is again, it's like everything in the European Union is, you know, it, it is a multi-layer system. So the Commission endorsed, made its proposal to the Council, and now the Council has the last word. Definitely to have the recovery and resilience plans rolling out and being started being implemented in the member states, it's extremely important because we need to foster investment. We need to target investment to the digital and to the green transition. And this is definitely a great help that comes to many member states from the European Union. Of course. And my final question is more personal, maybe. Uh, the EC representation in Portugal has had the pleasure to count on you as it's had since 2016, a journey that ends this year, like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, what would be your proudest impactful moments as the head of the representation? Well, you know, when I arrived five years ago, 2016, the times were very different. Portugal was just coming out of the excessive deficit procedure. Mm -hmm. Actually, when I arrived two weeks later, the commission took the decision not 
to pursue the case and not to propose fines against Portugal. But this was a very difficult decision that was lived in a very heartfelt manner here in Portugal. And, and actually, when I arrived, people were not in very good terms in general with the European Commission. They were very upset with the Troika years. The Commission, unfortunately, took the leadership on all the austerity measures that Portugal had to endure for many years, a lot of unemployment. You know, it was really a crisis country or country coming out of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And people were not in a good mood with us. They didn't really like us. So my job was not easy when I arrived. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I'm very proud of, of how the, the relationship changed. We had a new government, a socialist government, the first, first mandate of Antonio Costa mandate with a new support with the left-wing parties in, in parliament, the famous Geringonza. You know, there was some suspicion on how, what, how will this work and how good they would manage to, to build Portugal out of the crisis and, and, and to promote employment and economic activity. And, and there was a lot of, there was some suspicion from side to side Portugal commission, I would say, in the beginning and when I arrived. And little by little that dissipated, you know, that that changed into a very good working relationship already through, already during the Juncker mandate, but also now with the Ursula von der Leyen mandate and, and then the new commission. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm proud that we've, we helped build that, that relationship of trust and that, you know, we could all see the, how different it was now when the commissioner, when the president came to Portugal to deliver the, the recovery and resilience plan, the endorsement by the commission to the prime minister, Antonio Costa. They have a fantastic relationship and we have a very good relationship with the government. And this was built through the years. And I believe that the Portuguese representation was also an important point in this bridging this new, new, new relationship of work, a new relationship of trust. And I hope definitely it will continue and will endure whichever government will come. And, and of course, Sofia Moreira, my successor, she will definitely do a very good job also in fostering this institutional relationship with the Portuguese stakeholders. It's not only the government, it's also the parliament, it's also the parties of, in the opposition, it's also the citizens and the, you know, and, and the community in general. And then, you know, I think we were pretty good in doing things that the commission didn't used to do before in really getting out of our bubble and being creative in our, we organize a lot of anti-disinformation campaigns, our summer school, we organize classic events for stakeholders on energy, on environment, on digital, but we also organize a number of other things more out of the box, like Democracy 4.0, it was a big event we organized with, with the youth public, with a young public on, on the, the relationship between democracy and technology. And actually, one of the, the initiatives of the commission that kept me really busy was the copyright directive. When the discussion started in parliament, and, uh, you know, and the big platform started to steer the, the YouTubers and everyone against, against the directive echoed here in Portugal. And, and we had a lot of work to, to explain what the directive was about, was to create an even and a more fair digital place for everyone, especially for, for creators and for those who are, and for the artists. And, but it took, a lot of, it took a lot of effort from our side. There was a lot of this information circulating. And this shows the role of the, the, how important it is that the representations are sur place, you know, that they're really on the ground. They understand, they know when the heat is coming or when, for example, wave of disinformation on a particular topic. And, and we're here to, you know, to rebut. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we, we had, you know, 12 year olds calling us. Are you really going to shut down the Internet? What are you really going to? 
abolish memes and what's happening, what are you doing to us and to our lives? And we really stick our necks out and we went around and explaining. And, and I think that was an impactful moment because one of the, the, the most basic sentences I've ever said was, no, the internet is not going to end. Suddenly it was written in the newspapers as the, the sentence of the week because it was just so obvious, but it was so necessary when everybody was just telling us that we were going to shut down the internet and that uh, YouTube was leaving Europe mm -hmm. because of us. So that's that's importance. That's our role. That's exactly, you know, to when we have an initiative of the commission that is being misinterpreted and it's being used as a, as a tool for this information to create panic. That's when we have to step in and we have to clarify issues and, and we have to speak to people and tell them, no, it's not true. This is not going to happen and it's not it's not an easy task no, especially when it sounds you have so like many, a challenging so many task, against yeah. you but it's a very necessary task and mm -hmm. i'm very proud we've done that in respect to many of many other issues where there's also lots of disinformation mm -hmm. yeah that sounds really interesting and challenging as well and i think you did a very good job there with clarifying these these messages and these initiatives this was my last question sophia thank you very much for this interesting conversation and discussion and also sharing with us the work you have done over the past few years i wish you all the best in your next steps and uh, i hope that the commission representation will have as, as equally if not better heads than you were thank you very much andrea thank you for the opportunity it was a pleasure if you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website at www.magellan-association.org.